Welcome to 222 Paranormal Podcast with your hosts, Jen and Joe. Welcome back, listeners. So what did you think of last week's show? It was great. Sin, Sin was on. Yeah, She was awesome. This week we have another awesome guest. We have been really, really lucky. We should play the lottery. We've had <laughs> amazing, amazing guests for our listeners. Before we get into our show, though, please, listener, if you haven't done so yet, hit that subscribe button. Sometimes it's called follow. Sometimes it's called subscribe. Hit that button. Give us a five-star rating and a positive comment. And also, up on our website, we do have a link to our Patreon page. Yeah. So hit us up on that. But tonight, we have Susie Bastille with us. Yes, and everybody, Susie is an independent researcher of the elusive... Elusive... Uh, it's going to be one of those oh. days. <laughs> the word is elusive, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to have to help me with this Pugwudgie. Pugwudgies. Did I say that correct? Great. Yep. Um, she was born and raised in Connecticut, but her focus has been in the rich history of strange and spooky occurrences in New England, which we're going to get into, which I'm so excited because I think this is like the birth of all strangeness <laughs> in America is lies in New England. Yeah, so, so welcome to the show, Susie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, we are very excited to have you here, and we want to hear all the really, really good stories. Everything. Yes. Every little bit. <laughs> we we normally go six hours on our show, so we have time. No, no we're kidding. <laughs> no. I get hungry. But, so, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in the paranormal. So, I'm, it's my father's fault, um, for sure. Um, we, he had us watching X-Files and In Search Of yes. and Unsolved Mysteries and all that. Um, and he actually, when we were kids, we lived in the middle of nowhere and he would get us to behave by threatening us with puckwudgies. <laughs> so it would be like, don't go too close to the swamp. The puckwudgies will get you or don't go too far in the woods the puckwudgies will get you and the pond the excuse there was the catfish will bite you so <laughs> i don't know why there wasn't puckwudgies there but that was the one thing that was puckwudgie free everything else puckwudgies <laughs> will get you and where does that legend come from so my dad is from fall river massachusetts um, if you're familiar with the Bridgewater Triangle, mm -hmm. that is on the southern tip of it. So, you know, it's where Lizzie Borden lived and mm -hmm. all of that. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle is kind of an area of high strangeness mm -hmm. itself. About two, it's, They say it's about 200 square miles originally, but it kind of tendrils out. It's not really... A triangle mm -hmm. it seems to spread a little bit and you know weird things happen it's kind of where the cape meets the rest of the state okay and is there any um is there any reports or um i don't know what the word i'm looking for is of like maybe portals in this area that would attract this type of activity so portals, one of the words that I use, um, the, there's a common misconception that King Philip's War started this, but it was weird way before that. Mm -hmm. um, 
King Philip's War was it's the bloodiest war per capita in the US. Um, they just like Native Americans just got completely massacred there. Mm-hmm. So some people have taken that as like the Wampanoag tribe cursed the land. But if you look into it, they they had strange things happening long before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually felt it was sacred land. That's where they buried their dead. Um, one of their their deities, Hobamok, was supposed to live in the Hakamok Swamp. Mm-hmm. And he was their... Um, their deity of like death and disease, which they didn't look at like an evil thing. It was like a necessary thing to them. Mm-hmm. So they had, I don't want to say they weren't scared of it, but you know, it wasn't a place where you sent your kids out to play mm-hmm. or anything there. Um, but there have been reports of strange incidences. They had the Wampanoag tribe had their own lore but the colonial settlers actually knew about Pukwudgies. Um, they also had sightings of huge snakes. Mm. Um, they, the description was they were like as big around as a stovepipe mm. and about like 25 feet long. We don't have snakes like that in New mm. England. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some little ones. Nothing here gets too big. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not like a, a native snake being identified. Um, they also had thunderbirds. Oh. Interesting. Um, and if you look at, there are Pukwudgie sightings in other places, not just here. Yeah. Um, but if you look at other areas that have them, thunderbirds, Bigfoot, all kinds of other high strangeness um black cats like black panther like cats um they're all grouped together um i like the the pangea theory have you guys heard that Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. yep yeah so england and new england used to be pretty close and a lot of it is similar to some of the lore they have in the scottish highlands even too um but i it to me like if you put if you look at Pangea, there's kind of a line of these high strangeness areas that form close to the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem to me to be like a like you said, a portal or a thin spot, maybe mm-hmm. when you have things that kind of just appear and disappear. That makes sense. Yeah. This now for our listener, can you explain what a Pugwachi actually looks like? So they're known to be shapeshifters. Okay. So it can be a little bit hard, uh, Mm -hmm. but they're about between two and three feet tall, about knee height usually. The traditional description of the ones in New England are that they have smooth gray skin, and they're often described as having a chipmunk-like face. Or just having exaggerated features like long pointy ears is common. Mm-hmm. And they have quills like a porcupine on their head and back. Um, but some of the sightings aren't always like that. There's a lot of sightings that they're just covered in dark fur or dark hair. And they don't have the smooth gray skin and the bristles. 
So either we have two different types of little people here, mm-hmm. or it's the shape shifting. Maybe the the quills are when they're like partially shape shifted into a porcupine. Okay, that's interesting. Now, has um, have you ever seen one? Not yet. Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to get out there more and more. <laughs> a lot of the sightings are. Um, like March, April, and May okay. springtime seems to be a prime sighting mm-hmm. time. Um, but so far, as far as I know, everyone that's seen one has not been looking for it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them didn't even know what they were mm-hmm. when they saw them. Um, and a, I think I need to get a dog also <laughs> because that's another common denominator in the sightings, people mm-hmm. out walking their dogs. Oh. Maybe they feel comfortable with something that's kind of their own size, maybe. Or, you know, if it's a dog. It could be that the dog are just alerting us Mm -hmm. to something being there that we we could be walking past them all the time. Yeah, you just don't don't recognize them. Now, do you feel, like, in your opinion, it's more of a physical being or an interdimensional being? Interdimensional. I... There's no footprints, there's no bodies, no hairs found, nothing like that. Um, And they're known to just disappear. That's interesting. A lot. Um, Now, is there up where you live and where they're they're sighted, are there a lot of caves up there or something that they, because it kind of reminds me of the lure of the cave dwellers in, you know, like uh, Kentucky and places like that. Like the moon-eyed people. Yeah, or um, there was—I can't think of the name of them, but um, I know Hellier was on mm-hmm. was a series for that, but I can't remember their exact names. Yeah, there's there's definitely caves in that area, mm-hmm. um, and it's a swamp. There's okay. it's I think it's like sixteen hundred square acres of wow. swamp land too. There, it's a you know a pretty wild forest. It's protected land. Um, so there's it's there's nothing out there and it's kind of in you have this big clump of wildlife in the middle of some pretty decent sized cities just because of the the nature of the land there okay. that's interesting because like i was saying i i i really since i since i've talked to you before kind of looked into these more and it just reminded me so much of the things that they see in the caves in like Kentucky and mm-hmm. around like the Appalachian mountains and that. Yeah. Indiana has, um, their, their, their puck wedges are a little different there. Um, they kind of have, they have blonde hair, but they kind of have bowl cuts. Oh, okay. Um, that's the description there. Mm-hmm. And they tend to wear blue, like a blue, like smock type mm-hmm. thing. Oh, really? And it's, um, Mound State Park is where they're sighted oh, okay. a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's not too far from uh, yeah, and there's there's some other sightings, UFOs, Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. I've also heard um, stories from Illinois, and actually just this morning heard about one in Ohio. Hmm. All right, so, <laughs> I like yeah. it. They're getting around. They, like, um, the, the mounds, anywhere that has those burial mounds mm-hmm. out there, it, you'll find them. And Hockamock Swamp, it's not a mound, but it was a burial ground. And not that I, I don't think it was, like, cursed because it's a burial ground. Mm-hmm. But maybe people that were more connected with the land would want to bury 
they're dead in like thin spots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The veil is cl- closer and they can move to the other realm easier. Do you feel that they're watchers of some sort? That's what uh, a lot of the traditional lore is. They're, you know, like forest spirits. Mm-hmm. And they do seem, um, there's a lot of lore around them. If somebody is wandering in the woods, that they will try to lure them to mm-hmm. different places. Okay. And I think they might be like keeping them away from certain things. Oh. Is kind of Could be. the feeling I get from it. Yeah. Yeah, we would think. If they wanted to stay hidden, they would direct humans who are coming that way um, away from you know, their, their home or something. It's interesting. Yeah, one of the phenomena that's associated with them, it's called Taipei Wankas. And they're a lot like Will-o'-the-Wisps. That would be like the European version, mm-hmm. like light orbs. So you'll see one. And it will kind of start moving. So you want to follow it to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you'll start following it and you'll get to a Pukwudgie eventually. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, That sounds really familiar to a story that we heard. Our nephew um, had an experience in a metro park here in Toledo um, with his cousin. He's a deputy sheriff. And this happened to them... um, I believe it just at dusk where they saw beams of light coming out and little creatures. And, you know, it's like he's of sound mind. Right. And um, it, it, it sounds very familiar mm-hmm. like that. Now, is is there reports of this happening or the sightings at certain times of the day? Early morning or late at night seems to be the common times it's happening. Yeah. And do you think they're nocturnal creatures or? That's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, spent my night in the swamp before trying to (laughs) have better luck at finding one, but nothing yet. Yeah. I wonder if they're sort of like, like in Bigfoot lore, we know that when people are out looking for Bigfoot, Bigfoot know that they're there before Mm. the people know Bigfoot's around. And I'm wondering if that's a situation like that also. And being that they could be interdimensional, they have the ability to either cloak themselves or just vanish. They Like like you said earlier, they may be right next to you, but you don't see them just because right. they're in that other realm or their vibrations are different to where we can't see them. You know what I Yeah, even known animals. I mean, you know that there are certain animals in the area, like in my backyard, we have trees that were obviously taken down by beavers. Mm-hmm. Never saw a beaver back there. Okay. But you know that they're there. Yeah. It just reminds me, I was up north in the UP of Michigan, and a lady was telling me that, because I was at a place that had a moose on the top of it, and um, I said, do you ever see moose? She says, they're all over the place. She says, but as big as they are, if you're walking through the woods, you would probably not see them because they blend in so well. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, I mean, these animals are huge and they can hide. So, you know, we don't know. Maybe these um, creatures actually will either, like I said, change their shape or whatever or shape shift or even just vanish or change vibration and be invisible. We don't know. Yeah. And like you mentioned, they are shapeshifters, and mm-hmm. there seems to be connections with porcupines. Um, 
just from kind of like context, like I haven't found anything written, um, but you know, the physical description here is very porcupine like and Pakwaji is actually an Ojibwe word. It's not Wampanoag mm-hmm. um, and the Ojibwe have other lore around porcupines. Okay. Um, they don't, they're a little bit scared of them. Uh, <laughs> so they, there's lore like if you eat porcupine meat, um, it could attract a Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- and it, you know, the words from the same tribe. They're both Algonquin speaking tribes, so they they would have had contact. Um, the original Wampanoag word was Bagwajini, and they eventually adopted the Ojibwe word, and so did the Delaware tribe in Indiana, which is interesting yeah. in itself too is there any tribes left in that area in or around the swamp area yeah there are um i've been lucky enough that some have spoken to me about it i've had um i had a friend of mine that's wampanoag show me around hockamock swamp um it's hard to find your way around there it's mm-hmm. so huge it's trails through a swamp so to find kind of some of the landmark spots you have to have someone show you there mm-hmm. Uh, but because of what happened to them they don't know like it's knowledge that was lost they weren't you know they were wiped out most of them and then the ones that were left had their language taken away Mm. so um, they have lost a lot of the knowledge there Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've dug up some old books also so they um the outlook on Pukwudgie's here is that they're very mean and dangerous. But then you read these sightings or you talk to people that have seen them and nothing dangerous ever happens. But everyone will tell you, watch out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I think I found why. And it was uh, in 1934, a woman named Elizabeth Raynard wrote a book on the folklore of the Cape. And she interviewed a man named Redshell, who was Mashpiwampanog. Um, and so at the time, you couldn't speak openly about things. And he kind of changed the narrative of the Pakwaji lore to actually be like analogy for what Europeans did to them. Oh, okay. Um, and that's kind of on record out there, but I think his version stuck. It's, you know, it's the, the glamorous, the exciting mm-hmm. version of the story. Is there any reports of these, um, Pukwudgies helping or assisting anybody who got lost in the swamp? There is, yeah. There is for sure. Um, if you, the ones that will come up are, you know, mostly like, I just saw something and it was weird. So it was scary mm-hmm. and that's natural, mm-hmm. you know, but there are stories of, you know, I was lost in the swamp. I followed this light, saw this little guy. And then all of a sudden I knew where I was again. Interesting. It's almost like a time slip. Sounds kind of like time slip in a way. Yeah, it could be. Could be. It's just, I I always think of these as, like I mentioned before, the watchers. You know, they're, they're watching the woods. They're protecting the woods from us doing things to them. 
Um, like you said, if people get too close, they'll either guide them away or do something to distract them, to get them away. And when you're talking, I almost thought about the fairy lure. But the problem with the fairy lure is that's more of a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. These seem to be more positive. Yeah. They're, and the reason that the story behind why people thought they were mean here was had to do with uh, the Wampanoags. He's kind of like a, a hero type figure in their lore named Maushup. He was a giant. And the story is that the Pukwajis used to live side by side with the Wampanoag people and were happy. But then when this giant came along, they got jealous of him. So like, just like a little kid, yeah. when they want attention, they're going to get annoying. Mm-hmm. And the Pukwajis, they're known to be tricksters too. Mm. Like they'll, you know, tie your shoelaces together type of thing. <laughs> but when they wanted the attention back, that they were giving to this giant, they just kind of ramped it up. So they got annoyed and they went to Malship's wife and asked her to do something about it. So she went to her husband and what he did was he gathered up as many as he could. He shook them and then he just threw them as far as he could. And that's how they got to, you know, Indiana and that area too. But the ones that, survived and made their way back were mad as you would be (laughs) yeah is there any reports of giants in that area other than that that one because i know there's a lot of correlation between mounds and burial mounds and giants they actually found a skeleton that was something like seven foot eight and i think they said they thought it was from the 1600s okay so that i mean europeans would have been here at that point mm-hmm. too. Um, and then, so I don't know, like I haven't seen the skeleton, but there, there was reports that it had two rows of teeth. Okay. Also. Yeah. The double rows of teeth. Yeah. That's, we've had both of those here in Toledo. We've had the double rows of teeth were found down in what we call Maumee, Ohio, which is probably about five miles down the river from Toledo. And we also had the giants here in Toledo that had the, six fingers and six toes but i don't know of any reports of a pugwaji style creature in this area at all and we were known as you know we were the black swamp before we were toledo mm-hmm. it was the great black swamp so you had there's thunderbird kind of, sightings don't you um i think so More towards um cleveland and erie pennsylvania mm-hmm. um we had a guy on our show one time he um, had witnessed a Thunderbird in a cemetery, but it was near like a um one of those giant power towers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in the eighties, I believe. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of the sightings here are under they they're called the they call them the high tees, the, mm-hmm. those huge power lines. Yeah, yeah, and. It's kind of like a game trail, like wild animals mm-hmm. will go through there. Mm-hmm. But at night, it seems to be other kind of creatures going through that area. But a lot of sightings are around those um, power lines. Now so I, when you settle it, yeah, power. I was going to ask you if they do frequent around those areas of power lines or power stations, stuff like that. Yeah, um, in I, the water, I'm too. thinking maybe that's because of the high electricity in 
the electromagnetism in the air from the power stations and all that makes it easier for them to pop in and out, you know? Yeah. You have the combination of just all the water from the swamp mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and these huge power lines kind of amplifying things. I had a encounter one time here in Toledo down the street from me, there's a main road and there's those high tension power lines also. And I saw a bird sitting on top of one of those and I was going to dig into my old computer because I knew I took a picture of it. And you have those insulators that go down and then the wires go underneath them. And the bird <laughs> had to be in the same length as those insulators. Excuse me. And, you know, I, I remember I took a picture of it, but I don't know if I could find that picture, but it was way on the top. But looking at the size of the bird and looking at those insulators, it almost looked like the same size. And that would be the size of a Thunderbird. Now, I'm not saying I never that I saw a Thunderbird. I'm just saying there was a giant bird up there that I've never seen before. And that was on top of one of those power lines. So I, Yeah, there, there was a sighting in the Bridgewater Triangle. It was actually a police officer. Mm-hmm. And he was, it was nighttime. He was driving down a road. He got to this intersection. He saw a dark figure. He said it was about six feet tall. He actually thought it was a person at first. And as he drove up and got closer to it, it just sprouted these huge wings Mm -hmm. and flew straight up. And it freaked him out so much. He actually went back to the station and reported it, which didn't go well for him. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But and after that, the residents of this area started coming out saying, oh, yeah, we see it all the time. Oh, that kind of sounds like Mothman. Yeah. The way that yep. it went straight up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it could have been a Mothman sighting. It could have been. I mean, you would think that any type of um, creature like a Thunderbird or, or something with giant wings, I guess, is going to be able to span a large area. You know, like the condors or an eagle. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could have a 100-mile or 200-mile radius um, and be following a food source or yeah the um that lines illinois area has thunderbird sightings and there's i i think it's native american lore i'm I'm not sure the name of the tribe but they actually think that the thunderbirds migrate Mm -hmm. so they're in in illinois for the summer and then they Mm -hmm. migrate to the ozarks for the winter i mean it makes sense sure you know Definitely. Yeah, birds migrate. Mm-hmm. Now, is there any other type of um, activity in and around that Bridgewater Triangle as far as, um, you know, reportings of, like, we had mentioned Bigfoots or um, other type of elementals or maybe ghosts or anything along UFOs, that lines? Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of UFOs, uh, lots of ghosts. Um a lot of strange animals. Um, some I've, I think I might have, I don't want to say I debunked them, but I think some of them, there was a rash of them in the 70s, but they were just exotic animals. They weren't cryptids. Um, I think they might just be escaped pets. Yeah. But there was like some hysteria during that time frame, uh, which I mean, if you see an ocelot in the woods in Massachusetts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I right. can understand. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and you know, back then, you know, now we have the internet and everything travels at the speed of light, but 
it's back then, you know, a legend would start and someone would tell someone, someone would tell, and like the telephone game, by the time it gets to certain people, they, it would almost be a complete different story than what it started out to be. And really it's tough back then to authenticate the stories. Now we just type it up and, you know, <laughs> on the, the, Google, the Google and, uh, we can find stuff, but back then you had to either go to the library and, and look up old newspapers or stuff like that. And, you know, who knows what the stories started out at that became different legends. You know, and yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And there's, um, there's theories that there's like some evil forces there that caused people to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, say they called themselves a satanic cult that, um, did some murders in the Freetown state forest, which is at, you know, the Southern end of the triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, fall river is a city and then you have this huge wooded area. So if you're going to do weird stuff, mm-hmm. you're going to go out in the woods Yeah, I mean, and you know, stuff happens in cities all the time. This was like peak satanic panic time yeah too that happened mm-hmm. yeah um, and there's sick. even theories about lizzie borden somehow being involved with the really? the bridgewater triangle too it's interesting i just saw an article and i don't know if you guys have seen this but there was um a report of a building next to the lizzie borden house that was actually just as haunted or maybe more haunted and it was another Borden that had done some killings or something. And there was murders. Yeah. yeah. So I believe it was Lizzie's aunt. Um, there was a well in the basement of the house. And she, what we would call it now is postpartum psychosis mm. is what happened. And she put her two kids in the well. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. And one, the older one got out. Um, but then she took her husband's straight razor and killed herself after oh, that. Oh, how sad. Yeah. It's interesting because you wonder, you know, sometimes, you know, you could explain things by mental conditions or psychosis or, you know, whatever. But there may be other things in the works. You know, you could have some of these um, interdimensional beings or spiritual beings or wh- whatever you, you know, you, ter- you, you want to yeah, If you have some kind of mental illness, being around that could amplify it yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Be both. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And you open yourself up to other notorious things, such as I, I, I know I hate using the D word, but demons or some negative entities like that. You never know. I mean, you, it, it all goes back to your vibrations. If your vibrations are low, you're open to that darker side of stuff. Mm-hmm. If your vibrations are higher, you're in a better mental capacity that, and you don't get that. But, you know, and, and the weird thing is, you know, we talk about like Pugwogies and Bigfoot and stuff and Thunderbirds being like interdimensional or on another plane that we just can't see yet. You know, maybe sometimes these coming into that, existence will make people freak out enough to where they think they're insane because oh, yeah. i mean you if you saw a little 
goblin like creature in the woods mm -hmm. what are you gonna do you can't yeah. like go back to work tomorrow and be like i saw an elf in the woods yeah like yeah. they're gonna think you're, you're gonna think you're crazy uh -huh. too especially if you don't know the stories from the area also mm -hmm. and you know there have been people that have like found out that i research this kind of thing and they're like oh i've seen one <gasps> i didn't know what it was yeah but once they realize i won't think that they're crazy they'll tell mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. and that's not even that uncommon that that happens to me yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we get that too people are like i don't i've never told anybody this but and you're like tell us tell us <laughs> yeah on, you know? it happens a lot because they know yeah. that you're open-minded to that yeah. right and you know a lot people will not share some of their experiences i mean until we really started doing the podcast you know there were people who and you know it think people are way more open to all things paranormal right now um but it was such a stigma of you know so and so seeing spirits in their house they've got to you know lock them away you know <laughs> and um i think now luckily because we do podcasts and and, and people are researching this like um, Susie is is being able to bring some of this information to the forefront that it's not as um, uncommon mm -hmm. or scary or you know people aren't going to think you're cuckoo for cocoa puffs, right? Yeah, <laughs> and when I started, I was like, oh, this is just cool folklore. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't think there was you know anything to it. Mm -hmm. And usually, the more you look into something, the less you believe sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case for me with this um like i said i'm not sold on some of the crazy animal sightings but you have little people lore in every culture out yeah. there mm -hmm. and there's so many similarities that i mean it's just too pervasive to write it off yeah even little bigfoots i know when you were talking about the different shapes that they may take on you know we've heard so many stories of little bigfoots and when you're saying that, it's like that kind of makes sense. You know, they just could be a different version of these, you know, Pugwogies. Yeah, and there are Bigfoot sightings in the area and also something that's described more of like an orangutan-looking mm -hmm. creature. Not exactly like a cross between an orangutan and Bigfoot, really, yeah. is what it's described mm -hmm. as. Um, so, I mean, there's multiple big ape sightings mm -hmm. in that area. And, you know, with the Pudwudgies and stuff like that, they they have to breed. They have to, you know, come into existence somehow, whether it's, you know, on the other side that we don't understand or whatever. But you almost have to have a breeding population, so you almost have to have families of them. And, yeah, you know, maybe they're, these... They're commonly spotted in small groups, okay. too. All right. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. But... Yeah, because, and that's another thing. I mean, I, I know I keep going back to it, but it almost seems like they're, when they have a sighting, they're trying to get the people away from their home or whatever. And maybe just protecting the rest of the family. And um, you said that they, they have seen groups of them. When they see the groups, are they different sizes, such as, you know, smaller ones as younger or bigger ones as taller or stuff like that? There have been reports of varying heights and appearance of age okay too um i've heard like specifically sightings of there was one that looked like it was an advanced age versus one that looked younger 
So there's definitely that. And there's and there's also lore that they had like tribes and chiefs just like the Native Americans oh, did too. Okay. So like family clusters and stuff. And mm-hmm. now you do mention that some um, the ones are seen like wearing clothing. Is that so they would have to make yeah. clothing and stuff? The Indiana ones do, yeah, yeah. and they're um they're even said to build homes okay. in the woods too. Um, the ones in New England, the best description, this is my favorite sighting. Um, this woman said that she could not tell if it had clothes on or not because its belly hung so low. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's eating good in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's, there are reports of them having clothes here. Um, but there's also some of them just being, you know, covered in fur mm-hmm. and they have that big pot belly hanging down. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if they have clothing, they have to make the clothes. They have to, like we do, you know, we, you get the cotton out of the fields and you make the sure. strings and then you make the clothing out of the strings and the cloth and all. It's it's almost like you have, have to have factories and stuff. I know back, you know, in... um. I want to say caveman days or whatever. They didn't have factories, but they had ways to make stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it would almost take like a, a tribe or a town to make all this stuff. Cause you got to have someone to make the clothing. Sure. Or you steal it. That's yeah. possible so, too. Yeah. <laughs> there's uh Duendes. They're like little people in central and South America. And they're known for stealing stuff. Some of them live in the woods, but there's also ones that will like live in between the walls in your house. Oh, and um, yeah. So anytime I like lose my headphones or anything, I blame <laughs> right. all my <laughs> be me. my lost socks. Right, I only have yep. right socks that's, and no left socks. <laughs> that's what happens in when you take out the dryer. Yep. Yeah, um, for sure. But they're known like for like hiding keys. And just doing things to mess with people, they're tricksters, yeah. you know. But they also, um, if you say knock down the wall that they're living in, um, that's when those will get mean. Mm-hmm. So if you destroy their home, their stories of like people knocking something down, and then it was something that looked like a very tiny person was living there. And then all of a sudden, weird stuff starts happening to them and their life kind of falls apart. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. This is all new to me. I, I I know we mentioned about, you know, goblins and stuff like that on shows a long time ago, but I'm learning everything today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm almost, I'm almost like, what do I ask? What do I, you know, it's like, <laughs> but this is so interesting. It is. Yeah. South America is uh, really interesting place for little people stuff i mean you can go there's um videos there's no videos from new england that are believable but like i see videos all the time from south america that are like okay that could be something mm-hmm. or like just the the first-hand accounts like mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago there was a woman i think it was argentina and she had said, like, she heard, like, a high-pitched squealing, like, an animal, and she thought it was in trouble, so she went towards it, and she saw that a cat 
had actually had a little person pinned up against the wall. Oh, oh my gosh. And she said, you know, it had already swiped at it a few times. It was bleeding. So she went and kind of shooed the cat away. And the creature just kind of looked at her and nodded to say thank you and then disappeared. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I would imagine there's so many stories out there from like Africa and places like that that don't get out because people don't know how to get the information out to other people. You know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Who do you tell you saw a yeah. little goblin? I saw this little goblin in my house. Yeah. Okay. All right, here, it was right me. Here. I was eating all the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I come over to podcast, I'm like, hey, snacks. That's where all the snacks disappear. That's right. Yeah. It was me. Sorry. <laughs> Just blame the Duendes like I do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Hopkinsville Hopkinsville Goblin comes to mind when we're talking, too. And that's why I saw the pictures behind you. I'm like, that comes to mind, too. It's like they are truly all over the place. Yeah. And we don't know aliens are from another planet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they could just always be here and coming through portals or interdimensional Mm -hmm. beings. They're not necessarily from outer space. Yeah. So the Hopkinsville goblins could be Pukwudgie cousins. We don't, you know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And we've mentioned this before on our show is, you know, the human eye can only see so much. There's so the, the range of vision is so small compared to the amount of light that's actually out there. And, you know, we talk about different dimensions and all that. That could just be stuff we can't see. They like ghosts and stuff like that. They could be all around us. We just can't see them until a certain thing happens, mm-hmm. you know, certain vibration happens or temperature change or whatever. You never know. Yeah. When the conditions are right, like you have water and electricity and then they decide they want you to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's when it seems to happen. Mm-hmm. Because I've I've even heard stories about Bigfoots manifesting in front of people or half of Bigfoots manifesting where they forget to show the rest of their body or whatever. Mm. Wow. You know, it's, it's, and that's what's so great about this field is we don't know. It's, it's almost like if I woke up tomorrow and I saw a Bigfoot standing in my house or sitting in my living room, I'd be like, oh man, it, it's true. They're there. But then, the lure would be gone. You know what I mean? The The drive to see if they actually exist would be gone. Mm-hmm. Although it would be fantastic to know, but, you know. But then, Yeah, and you still have questions, too, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. How did you get in here? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why are you in Joe's living room? He's <laughs> looking for snacks. Yeah, right? that's how it always is. <laughs> Bigfoot's love bunt cake. We don't know that, so... <laughs> Hakwaji's like fruit and cigars. Oh, um, really? So that's traditionally, if you were going into the woods where they're known to hang out, mm-hmm. you would leave either a cigar at the base of a tree or a basket of fruit. Okay. And that's all, like, uh, the Mohegan tribe has the Mikiawisugs. That's their, it's, you know, a similar thing, just a different name, really. Um, but there are stories of people doing that up until like the late nine, the late 1800s. Um, and there's like real stories of this woman. She did an interview, I think it was 1903. 
she was talking about um, how one came and got her grandmother because his wife or partner needed medical help. And they actually think that that was like one of the last living couples and they just kind of died out. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, and saying that they, the Native Americans always knew that they were around and all that. And I know I'm going back a couple of times, but going back to saying that they knew they were there, you know, just like you talked about the giant showing up and they got jealous. It's they inter intermingled with each other and they all accepted the fact that they were there. Yep. They actually stopped a road from being built out near the casinos in Eastern Connecticut because it was supposed to be a little people village there. Mm. So the tribe actually, there was a plan to put a road in through this one area. The tribe actually had it stopped. Hmm. Well, you have to respect their beliefs about the land Mm -hmm. and, and whatever inhabitants inhabit it. Inhabitants, yeah, that word. Um, and there, you know, and that's amazing because you know they're putting their profits aside, you know, to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. save that legend, which I think is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Where, it's just no. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, but where's the casino? Because you know, I love a casino. <laughs> yeah, Eastern Connecticut, Foxwoods, Mohegan oh, Sun. Yeah. Yep. Joe and I have never been out east, which is crazy. As much as we travel, everything's haunted here. You have to come. I'm like Joe. We have to get out out east. I want to go to all the towns, all the cemeteries, all the haunted locations. I want to see everything. Oh yeah, you don't have like 17, 1600 cemeteries as Mm -hmm. much as we do here. They're like. All over the place here. Mm-hmm. Real old ones. I think the furthest we've been is Pennsylvania. Yeah. Furthest away. No, like totally on the bucket list. Where's a favorite place for you to go? I mean, are you doing other types of um, research or investigations? So there's plenty, like within just an hour radius of me, there's all, there's plenty of stuff to mm-hmm. do. Like I don't even have to do a weekend trip. There's you know Mm -hmm. things left and right every like every other weekend there is some kind of like paranormal activity event planned Mm. um there's all kinds of so the places that are like super commonly investigated seem to not be so exciting anymore Mm -hmm. i don't know if they just get sick of people or you know people they just like move on after a while um so, you know, the some of the more traditional places that are well known for it aren't actually that exciting. But we have an inordinate amount of like old mental hospitals in the area too Ooh. that are abandoned. Um, those, you know, those never the activity never seems to die down mm-hmm. in those. Um, there's one in the Bridgewater Triangle, actually. Oh, really? have you been so to it? That one, that one has all kinds of stories Taunton state hospital i think it's called um and there's also one in eastern connecticut by the casinos Mm -hmm. that was griswold state hospital and i i've been in that one and 
it's a place where you're like constantly seeing something out of the corner of your eye mm-hmm. is the best way I can yeah. describe it. Like I never, I didn't like see anything clear and straight on, but mm-hmm. it was like constantly like you're seeing like a shadow or something around the corners when there shouldn't be one. Mm-hmm. I think that's spookier than actually just seeing something because you just don't know what it is. You know, if you see a spirit or a ghost, okay, you see this, you know, figure, and maybe it looks like an old doctor or whatever. But the creepy crawly things that are in shadow freak me out more than just seeing a full-on ghost. <laughs> yeah, the unknown mm-hmm. is definitely. And why are you hiding, too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. if they curious about you and they're there, why wouldn't they just? appear to you i think that like we've talked about shadow figures i think shadow figures are to where they don't want you to see them they're they're always looking around corners and that and sort of like the punk wedgies you they they want to stay on the fringe they don't want to be seen yeah they're reclusive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean that's just my opinion but that's not that's how i feel because a lot of times when you see shadow figures, I mean, obviously people see them straight on and we both, Jen and I have both seen them straight on, but 90% of the time, like you said, they're in the corner of your eye or you just getting a glimpse of them. Yeah, there's actually, uh, it's more, I would call it a lore. I haven't heard any like eyewitness sightings of it, mm-hmm. but there's lore that there is a huge shadow figure that will be seen with Pukwudgies and oh. it could possibly be controlling it. What do you but mean? But again, I'm, I've never heard an eyewitness account. Yeah. It's always like someone's cousin knows a guy okay. type mm-hmm. of thing. Are you so. saying that the Pukwudgies control it or they're, it's controlling them? It's controlling them is what I've heard. Okay. Yeah. But never a... a a witness that said, yes, I've seen that. Yeah, that's just kind of like local legend mm-hmm. type thing. Interesting. You never know. I mean, you never know. And yeah. But, but it, it just it intrigues me so much about these because I've heard stories and, I've you know, our friends Greg and Dana did a whole series on the um, goblins. Thank you for mentioning that word because it was stuck in my mind. I couldn't remember <laughs> the name. But um, <laughs> they did the whole series on the goblins and it's so much like these you know they they may have different shapes a little bit and that like you said but it's all the same to me it it reminds me of all the same things yeah and if you think about it like people from different parts of the world look different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you know little people could be the same way too yeah at first i was dead set on the indiana puckwudgies not being the same thing Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm like they have bowl cuts they're not they're not my puck wedgies <laughs> but i've since become like more warmed up to the theory that you know it's the same phenomena if they're not exactly the same it's still you know in the same group yeah exactly yeah and there was you know branches of pygmies that up until 5000 years ago existed they were all different there was very tiny ones. There was a whole uh, race of like one foot tall little pygmy people. Um, and then there's still, I think, one tribe left in Africa or Samaria or uh, somewhere um, or Sumatra. I'm sorry. Um, 
I think there still is one tribe left, but I'll have to do some research on that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I think with any species, you could have just shoots and off branches mm -hmm. and, you know, they're going to look different in different climates, you know, like abominable sm snowman's more white to blend in with the environment where, you know, the, the swamp ape down in Florida is completely different. Um, I have to wonder too, if maybe they have like a chameleon type, um, um, ability, like if they oh. do see somebody, maybe they just blend right into yeah. a tree or something. Yeah, like you said, you they're shapeshifters. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you should mention mm -hmm. that. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> or even like they might present themselves as you know something you're more accustomed to seeing. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, you know, I'm not relating them to UFOs specifically, but mm -hmm. like you know, old UFO sightings, you'd have like the airships that look like a blimp yeah. because that's what they were used to at mm -hmm. the time. So. You know, maybe in Indiana, it's, you know, more appealing to them if they have a blue coat on. So that's mm -hmm. how they're appearing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, here we have porcupines, you know, so maybe mm -hmm. they're, you know, appearing like that so they can kind of blend in better. You know, I, you don't know. There it could be a lot of things. But, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's necessarily that they're completely different just because they are reported differently sometimes. Mm -hmm. But very interesting. I, I'm so glad that you came on and talked to us about it. Um, do you have any books in the work or anything like that? I am being peer pressured into writing a book right now. <laughs> do it. Do it. Um, by one of our mutual friends. <laughs> um, Mr. Ward. Mr. Ward. Yes. Steve Ward is yep. awesome. We love him so much. We call him the Sultan of Strange. <laughs> He's a wardo. I call him yeah. the Fortean Encyclopedia. Right. Yeah. I always said I've, I want to put Steve and um, Dan Aykroyd in a room. Yeah. Put a microphone in the middle of them, just shut up and sit back yeah. and listen to them talk. That'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. I would pay for that. Yeah. But Susie, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I wish really we had more time, that. but um, unfortunately we don't. But this was so enlightening to me. I've learned so much. And now that you've, sparked my interest i'm going to start digging in deeper into these and find out more about them and it's it's just interesting you know yeah and you'll start finding connections left and right with other weird phenomena in the area i'm sure mm -hmm. that's great and when we get out to new england you have to take us out to the <laughs> the swamps so we can go and investigate be awesome. absolutely yeah. thanks all right. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on. We appreciate, we appreciate it. it so You're much. You're very welcome. My pleasure. And thank you, listener, for tuning in this week. Like we always say, please, please, please get up on our website. Check out everything that we're doing. We have all the list of where we're going to be. Um, and in the show notes of this episode, I will put information about Susie's pages, uh, her Facebook page, all that stuff, so that you can check it out also and learn more. And, and if you had an encounter, get a hold of her and let her know. Yeah. Yes, please. So she can put it in her new book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it anonymously also if you don't want to um, deal with the ridicule there. Yeah. yeah. Happy to do it. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, listener, for tuning in this week. And tune in next week for another exciting episode. We actually don't know what we're going to talk about yet, yeah, but figure it out. We'll have a great show for you. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Right. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.